Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Pylon, a podcast about the NFL for Impact 89 FM. I'm Ian Drummond. Alongside me, Michael Marcock, Jacob Lothamer, and Darren Baydoon. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Now, let's get right into some stories. It's almost week 13 in the NFL season. Just one day after week 12 concluded with the long-delayed Steelers-Ravens game. But before we get into what's going on with the Steelers and their strange schedule, here's a good one for the Lions fans that we have, myself included. Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are gone in Detroit, replaced by new interim head coach, offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. How are we feeling about this move? Uh, I am feeling, well, honestly, it's, I guess as a Lions fan, there's like an element of happiness, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not, I'm not that like excited because it was obvious to be quite honest. If, 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 you know, if, if the four, if, if Sheila Ford would have been on a team before last season, it, it, it probably, I probably would have advocated for this, for this fire team to be done after last season when they finished three twelve and one after Stafford got hurt. Um, but I mean, it's the obvious move to do. That's the right move to do just because no matter, no matter whether you can say, you know, some people may say, Oh, well, well, Quinn and Patricia, you know, Patricia didn't get enough time to set the culture way, the way he wanted to be set. But it's like, you know, it wasn't working. It just, whatever they were, whatever they were trying to do in terms of, replicating the culture of the Patriots it, it wasn't working and that's been other than other than right now the way Brian Flores is is coaching in Miami that's been pretty much the standard for everyone for every coach uh, assistant coach of Bill Belichick who's got hired to be a head coach they just have not had success so it was the right it was it was pretty much it was the obvious move and it was the right move to do and you know for the Lions it probably means that especially based on how the roster is configured, how, you know, how, how specific it was to Quinn and Patricia's uh, desires that uh, there's probably going to be a lengthy rebuild coming for this team in the near future. You know what, when I, you know, when I first saw it, you know, I mean, obviously like I don't have as much of a connection to the Lions, but I mean, I mean, it's not really shocking at all. I mean, watching the team play on Thanksgiving was just, I mean, they just had no fight in them. It just, they just, I mean, when the Texans started running up the score, the Lions just didn't do anything to stop it. And it looked like a team that had quit on their coach. And that usually means it's time to let him go. And um, I mean, we're hearing things that are coming out of the locker room about the Lions of how, you know, Patricia was, you know, basically abusing players verbally. And, you know, just his coaching style was so weird that it just didn't make a lot of sense. It was like, you're going to do it my way or you're going to do it my way. Like there is no other way. And I, I just think that the players didn't respond well to that. What's interesting to me is, like, as Darren was talking about the rebuild for the Stafford question of whether they keep him around at the end of the season, uh, it sounds like the Lions really want to bring him back. Matthew Stafford's saying, I don't know about that. Um, you know, he might be trying to go to a winner so he can get a ring before he has to retire in a few years. But, you know, I think, I mean, the move definitely needed to happen. I'll be very interested to see who they get as their head coach, because I don't think it's an undesirable job necessarily. They got young pieces, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I just, but I, I'd love to see kind of what they do with it and try to get them to relevancy. Yeah, this was a long time coming, especially for Patricia. I feel like every Lions fan was ready for the firing of Patricia and saw it coming just the way he poorly managed games. Uh, the more of a shocking one was Bob Quinn to me. He's made a couple of decent moves like Kenny Galladay in the draft and different things like that. He's hit on prospects, but just the amount of times that he's missed, like with cornerback Tease Tabor, uh, Jared Davis, Tavahi hasn't been working out the way he wanted to. They never made it a priority to really strengthen their defensive line, which has been their biggest weakness for the last couple of seasons. Uh, his biggest mistake was still hitching his wagon to the Patricia way, that Patricia was going to change the culture of this team and that eventually ended up being his undoing and you can say whatever you want to say about Matt Patricia but 
Bob Quinn did a couple of good things for the Lions and he did set them up with some nice pieces. So I do agree that the job is desirable. I'm looking, I'm hoping moving forward that they sign uh, somebody who would be more of a player coach. I'm still upset about the Jim Caldwell thing. Obviously, after so many players have been yelled at and degraded by Patricia, I think they'll look to bring in somebody who will look to kind of be their friend a little bit more, which is weird when you're looking for a head football coach. But if you see the way that um, kind of Pete Carroll has worked, he's kind of a player coach and that kind of thing. So I think they'll look to bring somebody in who is looking to be kind of a peacemaker on both. I got to strongly agree with you there, Jacob. I think that Quinn's biggest mistake was definitely hitching himself to the Patricia bandwagon, which I think was originally kind of his selling point that he had sort of an inside track on this hot up and coming coaching candidate. But if the guy you're hitching your wagon to is somebody who turns out to have such a bad relationship with the players initially that they're having a mimosa party to celebrate getting away from him after his first year, which is something that came out recently in an article on Bleacher Report about the Patricia tenure that's just not something you want to do. And, you know, as much credit as I can give team ownership for finally trying to build some kind of vision for the lions, it didn't work out and it doesn't always, but you got to reload and it's going to be a pretty long rebuild with whoever comes in next. Don't know who that's going to be, but. Well, who do you guys want? Cause like, you know, I don't, I don't even have opinion this. Uh, cause you know, I'm fine with, you know, my team's coach, but you know, offense, defense, what are you guys thinking? Um, I was thinking offensive coach. I'm obsessed with the way Joe Brady runs the offense in, uh, for the Panthers. I feel like he's the obvious like quarterback whisperer after he did what he did at LSU with Joe Burrow. And he's made the Panthers offense look explosive, even though they do have nice playmakers, but he's made Mike Davis look amazing he's made him look like Christian McCaffrey at times so I think Joe Brady I'd like to keep it offense we tried the defense thing the offense still ended up being a good offense I think if you can bring in somebody who's defensive minded as like your assistant head coach who would also be your defensive coordinator then that'd be nice too but I really feel like we need to be more creative on offense the Lions are just not creative offensively and they need somebody on defense who would hold the defense accountable I just feel like the biggest thing for the off for the Lions is being creative on offense and then in the draft, drafting on defense. Because I feel if you get guys on your defense, a coordinator will make anything work as long as you have players who can play on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I don't disagree with that, Jacob. I think I mean they do need to they do need to, whether it's staffers on the team or not next year, depending on you know what they have to pay on what the new regime wants to do. I mean, obviously you, you want to bring in a more creative office of mind. And Brady, you know, based on the results they've had in Carolina and how even though they don't have a good record, they've been a very competitive team overall. So I mean he's gonna get some looks. It may be obvious for me to say this, but I mean the defensive coordinator from San Francisco, Robert Sala, I mean, he's I think it just came out today that literally Michigan lawmakers um lobbied lobbied um, uh, Sheila Ford to actually hire him because, you know, he's a native son. He was, he grew up in Dearborn. So he's obviously, he's, you know, he grew up around the area and you look at the results of his defenses in San Francisco, you know, they were obviously great last year when they went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, despite the fact that they've had so many injuries this year, they've still been a respectful unit and they still, they play really hard. And that's evident in the fact that he's able to get the best out of whatever guys he has. Obviously, it helps when you have a full complement of guys like, you know, the Nick Bosa's of the world and Eric Armstead's and the Richard Sherman's and all those guys. But the fact that he's still able to get them to be respectable and to be able to compete and stifle, you know, an offense that has playmakers like the Rams did last week. Um, you know, it's, it's something that it's, it's the obvious choice, but considering his local roots, considering the fact that he knows that he should know this fan base and he should know, he should know that the, you know, what the demand is in terms of wanting a team, you know, it may take some time if they do go through a rebuild, but in terms of knowing the demand to want a team to, you know, to, to build a winner, he's, and he's coming from a good, from a good culture in San Francisco. I mean, 
I, it would, I, it might not be the most enticing thing to hire another defensive coach, but it really does seem like Salah has the qualities to be, I would say, a lot more than Patricia. It seemed like he's much better with players in terms of relating to them and everything like that. It seems like he has just better qualities to be that kind of defensive head coach as opposed to a guy like Patricia was. You know, I agree with Darren there, actually. Although I'm not necessarily sold on the idea that the Lions need, like, necessarily an offensive or a defensive coach. Like, there's a direction that they have to go there. I think they would do well with either. Just as long as whoever comes in, whether they're an offensive or a defensive coach, is committed to bringing in someone who is very skilled on the other side of the ball. You know, I would love to see Robert Sala come in, but he's got to bring someone who's creative with the offense because that's really not what's going on right now. As much as I can enjoy that Daryl Bevel is trying to make things fun again as the interim head coach, I think he's probably gone after this year and he'll take Adrian Peterson for 1.5 yards up the gut with him, hopefully. So, you know, if it's Saleh, he's got to bring in someone who's good with the offensive side of the ball. If they're going for someone like Joe Brady, he's got to bring in a quality defensive guy. And if they don't, then I think you could see like them just kind of running it back like they did last year, but with slightly better results. I will say, so last year, just this will be quick, but last year, Sala was actually the runner-up for the Browns job. Um, he he lost it on, like, the last day to Stefanski. So, but from what I remember about, you know, following him for a little while, considering the Lions needed GM, Sala tends to be, he's got this, um, um, Sala has this, there's, like, this guy who works in the Colts organization who was with, um, the Seahawks when Salah was the coach for the Legion of Boom. And so apparently he'd be coming over. It's kind of like a package deal thing. So that would probably solve the GM problem as well. Um, I mean, offensive side of the ball, like I said, I don't know, like you can't, it's hard. It's hard in the NFL to find that real gem um, considering you can't hire an offensive coordinator to be an offensive coordinator. So I wonder if he would try to find someone in the San Francisco under the Shanahan tree, maybe the quarterbacks coach, maybe something like that to bring some of the San Francisco offense over to Detroit. Um, that could be kind of interesting, but I would say, I think he's the best fit for the Lions. I really do. Players love the, love him and the way his energy and just everything is just so needed in Detroit. All right. So let's move from the Lions typical stability problems to somewhere a lot more stable talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers undefeated. 11 and 0 and now with COVID-19 kind of putting a strange little twist on their schedule playing last night on Wednesday and then also playing I believe Sunday and then Thursday games very very weird schedule and also now missing talented linebacker Bud Dupree got an ACL injury, gone for the rest of the season. Do the Steelers still have what it takes to go undefeated and or get the number one playoff seed in the AFC, secure themselves that bye this year? Well, I don't think they're going to lose. So the Steelers are going to have to keep winning. Uh, but they have the, they're definitely capable of doing so. Uh, they play Washington this week on Monday night, and I don't want to make Washington sound like a team that Washington competes, so they compete. But they played Wednesday. They're going to rest all up until Monday, and then hopefully they can get it done against Washington. The only games that really concern me on their uh, schedule is Buffalo. But they play Buffalo in two weeks, and that's a good football team. Yeah, they The way they played against the Cardinals – they were extremely good the way they played against the Seahawks. They were good. You don't know what Buffalo team you're going to get. So if it's like the team that we've seen a couple weeks where they struggled against the Jets, or if it's the week where they saw where they played the Seahawks, they're going to be good. 
they keep losing players when they lost Devin Bush. I didn't think the defense would be as good, but the defense continues to be good. So I really just think if they can get over the hurdle of Buffalo, then they can win out the rest of their season. They play the Colts, they play the Browns, but I think they're talent more talented than both those teams on any given day. Yeah. I mean, looking at the schedule, like, like Jacob said, I mean, Buffalo at Buffalo on Sunday night, that's concerning versus, you know, Indianapolis at home, they'll be favored for that game. But I mean, listen, the Colts are, pro the Colts are a prospective playoff team as well. So they're, I mean, that's good. Not good. That's probably not going to be a pushover. And then at Cleveland in the last game of the season. So, I mean, I could see them being favored in every game, but at the same time, there was a, I forget what show it was, but I had watched a show where they ranked the, the, the I think it was eight to 18 teams who had started 11 and 0 in NFL history. Pittsburgh had, I think the fourth, only the 14th best like net rating out of all those teams. So they may be undefeated, but in, if you're comparing the teams to history who have got off to similar starts, they are not near as dominant. And you'll see that. I mean, listen, they, you know, they, you know, they, they, they didn't put up a good performance last week, you know, or on Wednesday, I should say against Baltimore, which when Baltimore had, it seemed like half their team on the, on the injured list, you know, they, they, you know, they had to come back against the Cowboys at Dallas. And we all know how bad that, you know, they've been this year, they've had a lot of other close games. Their first game at Baltimore was a four point win. The, their first game, their game against Tennessee was a three point win. And that was only because Tennessee missed a field goal to send to overtime. So you know, teams have had chances against Pittsburgh this year. I mean, they're not infallible. So I feel like I, you know, I think I'm actually going to say, I'm willing to say that either, I think they went blues at least one. I think either at Buffalo or versus Indy at home, maybe at Cleveland, although they, they did beat, the, you know, not, not to pour any salt in the wound, Michael, but they did beat the Browns pretty good uh, in Pittsburgh earlier this season. Um, but I feel like either one of those teams, because, Listen, Buffalo, they're, I mean, they're, they could, they look like, you know, they're, could be the favorites to win their division. And Indianapolis, I mean, that still is to be decided between them and Tennessee since that series is 1 1 between them. So those are both going to be tough games. So I, I think they lose at least one. I mean, I feel like if they, it's, it's like if they go 6 0, 6 0, 16 0, I feel like more people are going to be like, wow, really? They did? Or it's versus going to be like, oh, yeah, we could have seen that. It's like, it's, it's going to be more of a surprise to me. So I feel like they lose at least one game. Yeah, I 100% agree with Darren. I think they're going to lose at least once. Uh, I mean, going 16-0 in this league is so hard. Uh, it might be harder to go 0-16, but the Jets are about to do that too. So could we have a season where we have a 16-0 and 0-16 team? That'd be kind of incredible. But I think it's just you look at – you watch the Steelers play, and I know last week was kind of an anomaly. I'm not really trying to take that game for much of a grain of salt. I mean, it was a weird situation for both teams, but – the Steelers offense is so like it's it's hard to stop because Ben's getting the ball out so fast because he has to because they can't allow him to get hit. But if you put any bit of pressure on him, he's inaccurate. And his deep ball hasn't been the same as it always has been. I mean, it's still there, it's still pretty good. But I their defense is very, very good. But I think the loss of Bud Dupree is gonna do a lot of harm in in the sense that. TJ Watts having a like a very good season. He might win defensive player of the year, but now without Bud Dupree on that other side, you can now double TJ Watt and there's not as much of a threat coming off of the other side. You couldn't really do that against um, you couldn't really do that when you had Dupree because then Dupree would just get home if you tried to double Watt. So now you can double Watt. And I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna cause some problems in their defense. They're gonna have to do some shifting around. But like I said, like I mean, like you guys have touched on, Buffalo's a really good team, especially in the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're going to have to put pressure on Josh Allen, force him into some tough decisions, and make him make some bad throws. But overall, I I think they're going to slip up. Um, I mean, who knows when it's going to be? Their schedule's fairly favorable. I don't really think the Colts are that big of a threat with with their offense. Cleveland will be interesting. Yes, they destroyed Cleveland earlier in the year. But it's the second time Cleveland gets them this year, and it's at home. So, I, you know, we're, we're going to see what adjustments Cleveland's going to make. Um, but, I mean, so that could be an interesting game, especially if the Steelers are possibly resting starters, depending on how the Chiefs do. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. But I think those three games, there's a, there's a possibility they could lose, I think, two games in these last five for sure. I would definitely put the ceiling for them losing in their remaining schedule at two games 
I don't see a huge threat from the Colts, even though they do have a fantastic defense as well. But I think that Bill's Steelers, assuming there's no strangeness with health problems, is going to be appointment viewing because I think that is probably the best chance for the Steelers to take a loss, in which case, you know, if they take care of business within the division, it's going to come down to NFL conference tiebreakers, which I currently don't have memorized. So I don't know who's got the better of that. But so if, Steelers, if the Steelers lose the game to the Bills and go 15-1 and one and the Chiefs go 15-1, and one, the Steelers will get the one seed because the Chiefs lost came in the division. Okay. But if the Steelers were to lose to like the Bengals or the Browns, then it goes to conference record because they'd have a similar division record. Okay. Got it. Got it. And with that in mind, I think that the Steelers are probably still the best candidate for the one seed because I don't think that they'll lose two, but the possibility is certainly there. Brown Steelers chapter two this year who knows division games are always some of the stranger closer tilts in the NFL, regardless of how outmatched the teams are certainly seen that a few times this season, but I would say number one seed. Yes. 16 and 0 unlikely. And now moving on to the final story of the week. Josh Gordon is back, baby. Let's go. It's time for Mr. Flash to put his mark on the league again. Reinstated for presumably weeks 16 and 17. He said on Twitter that he was thankful. I believe he's still with the Seahawks now. This could be a terrifying development, adding Josh Gordon to an already insane Seahawks pass game. You know, how's that going to impact them down the stretch and in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't really think it's going to do much. I mean, this is like the sixth time he's been reinstated. I First of all, I don't know how he's still, you know, in the league at this point, but Every single time he's came back the last few years, it's just been kind of like, oh, he's just going to take this offense to the next level. And then he he basically has like four catches like the entire season. Uh, I think now it is it is terrifying to think about, you know, DK Metcalf and Josh Gordon on the outside with Tyler Lockett in the slot. That's absolutely terrifying. But, you know, I just I just don't really think he's got it anymore. Like the juice just ain't there. And I you know, it, it's unfortunate. You know, I hope he's turned his life around, obviously. I hope he's become a better person and, you know, gotten rid of all the stuff that was, you know, not making him be the best he can be. But as a player on the field, it just hasn't clicked the last few years. And we're going to keep saying, you know, that talent from Cleveland's in there. And I just I just don't think it is anymore. Yeah, I'll agree with Michael on that. I just, it's, I mean, we're, we're now what seven years removed from his breakout season in Cleveland when I believe that was when he led the league in receiving yards or was anyway, one of the top receivers. And I mean, it was inc- it, it, to look at that. It's impressive, especially considering the fact that's back when still like guys like Calvin Johnson and Antonio Brown were in their prime in their all pro prime, but like, he's just been so far gone from that. I mean, you know, he's had spurts, you know, he had the stretch with the Patriots where he, what one the one or two years ago where you know he he looked all right, but then he got to spend it again. It's just I I don't know what more he can do. Obviously, we need to see if he's in shape. That's the biggest thing. Now I'm now he's not coming back this week, so at the very least he'll have a few weeks to try and uh you know wrap back up a little bit. But I mean the Seahawks have a pretty good the most important injury news for them, I think, is the fact that they're getting Chris Carson back. That to me is the more important thing for their offense. Like Josh Gordon to me is is a luxury if he even provides anything at all I mean you have arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett right now I mean you've got a good thing going with the chemistry they have with Russell Wilson and you know I feel like you know I look at like with what happened ever since Antonio Brown got added to the Bucks. not that he's the sole reason why they they haven't been good recently but you know it's kind of you know sometimes sometimes having 
having too many mouths to feed isn't a great thing or just, you know, just sometimes it's better just to keep things simple. So I don't know what he's going to bring. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he can come through for, you know, a, 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 a bit a, a bit of production during the playoffs. But I, I just, at this point, I, I don't know. I, I'm betting more likely that he's just, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's like having like a, a break the glass, you know, sort of situation if he does have to be a, a significant contributor for the Seahawks at this point to me. Yeah, I won't, I won't make this long because I, I agree with both Darren and Michael. He, maybe he's good, maybe he's not. It's not the end of the world for Seattle if he's bad. If he's great, then great. If he's bad, he's bad. That's it. Like, he's been suspended for stupid things. I've always thought that for for some reason. I uh, Like, you just saw Will Fuller get ex- ex- suspended for PEDs. I feel like that's way more serious thing than what Josh Gordon has done a couple of times. But, you know, Josh Gordon has shown that it's a pattern of uh, – over and over again. So I don't know if he's good. He's good. If he's bad, he's bad. It's not the end of the world for the Seahawks. The Seahawks biggest problem is defense. So we'll see if they improve on that end of the ball. All right. With that, let's conclude this week's storylines and move on to a little game that we're going to call who he play for. This was Michael's idea and we're just Michael's gonna give us some guys, various rosters around the league, and we gotta guess who they play for. Yep. So so yeah, I'll take it from here. So basically, you know, a couple of these you guys probably will know. I actually I'm trying to sneak one by you guys here. So this so we'll go. These are just some random players. We have four players down here. You'll just tell me, hold up your you know little pieces of paper. You know, if you're listening to this, I'll make sure that I describe who everyone picks, and then. Uh, We'll just see, and we'll add up all the points, and we'll see who wins. The first player, it's kind of – it's just a fastball right down the middle. You guys should know this, especially you guys. Mohamed Sanu, who he play for, Mohamed Sanu. Okay, while we wait. All right, three, two, one. Lions, Lions, and Ian has the Lions – and they are all correct. Mohamed Sanu does play for the Lions. He caught a touchdown pass on Thanksgiving Day. That's why I, I was trying to sneak a bio. I didn't know if they would remember that. But, yes, Mohamed Sanu plays for the Detroit Lions. So now we're going to move on. What? He's our best receiver. How can yeah. we forget? <laughs> I was going to say, I remember he got signed. I'm like, wait, is he still signed? And I'm like, and then I'm like, but can he just play in a game? I'm like, I'm going to. Yeah, I had a little crisis. I was like, wait, did they cut him after Thanksgiving Day or something? I know. That's why I was trying to like see by him. Like, maybe they were. And I forgot he caught a touchdown. I I forgot that too. I turned off like this. I didn't even watch the second half of that game, basically. That was like, I turned that game off so quick. All right. So we'll move on to player number two. As this is, you know, we're all Michigan State students. So why not go to a Michigan State Spartan? Uh, Trey Waynes, former Michigan State cornerback. Who does Trey Waynes play for? Give you guys a few seconds. All right. Ian, you ready? All right. Three, two, one. Ian, who is that? Bengals. Bengals. Yes, you all have it. Trey Wayne's plays for the Bengals. Formerly a Minnesota Viking, he signed with the Bengals in the offseason. I was going to say, he signed for a pretty good big money deal. So yeah, that's what I remember. Swapped with. Uh... It's just unknown because he's kind of forgot on the Bengals. Nobody really, you know, what they yeah, well, yeah, well, you're, when you're forget about the Bengals. Yeah, when you're that bad. <laughs> All right, so third player, we're actually going to stick with another Spartan, actually another Spartan cornerback. Uh, let's go with Josiah Scott. Who does Josiah Scott play for? Jacob seems to have me. Darren looks stumped. Darren uh, looks stumped. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, looks I stumped. think I got it. I think I'm, I got this. Okay. I'm going to go with, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Three, two, one. Jags. Jaguars. 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 It is the Jaguars. Just oh, like, Darren, top. Darren went with I was, the- I, That was like. I thought you were going to go with Justin Lane, and I know where Justin Lane is. And, I, and then he said Josiah Scott. I'm like, 
I thought he was going Dark Quest Denard, and I was ready to write down Falcons. Uh, another almost actually did go Dark Quest. Man, I I, I would have missed that. I straight up don't remember where he was at. Uh, I don't he's remember. Not, where he he actually was in Cincy, and then he's in Atlanta this year. All right, and the last one, I will say, okay, he's got a strange name. That's kind of why I love him. But he was a starter in the league. Jaquiski Tart. I do remember. I do remember. Art play for. He's been hurt this year from what I remember. So if you're trying to think this year, I don't think he has played much this year, if at all. I think I got this. Damn. I don't know this one. I think I don't. I don't know. All right. Well, Absolutely no clue. This is a complete right. guess. Okay, I'll, I'll give you guys a hint. So you guys, can oh, a hint. I'll give you a hint. He's in the NFC, and he's in arguably the greatest division of football. I think I got. I think I got. I do think I got it right now. I think I got it right the greatest now. division of football. Oh, so he did. I tricked. I messed with my own head. I messed with my own head. Right. Okay, I might have a better guess. Three, two, one. Uh, we have Darren with the 49ers. Jacob's got the 49ers. Ian has the Cardinals, and it is the 49ers. He's oh, like, I was Whoa. in my own head. I was like, he is on the 49ers. And I was like, did I see him in a Colts jersey this year? I don't know why I no, automatically he, went to he started the Super Bowl last year at free safety for the And that's why I remember yeah, I was just I remember the name. I remembered he was on San Francisco. I'm thinking like I don't think I remember him changing. So I'm like, eh, I mean, I, I thought the only reason Michael would have done it is if he did change teams. Okay, so I got my own head about that Straight one. Up. I was going to – No idea. I had never heard the name. been way too easy because everyone knows who's on the Chiefs, so it would have been too easy. But but that is it for who we play for. So Jacob got all four. Darren, I believe, got three. On that Madden ultimate team. And Ian got three because he missed – Ian missed Jaquiski Tart and Darren missed Josiah Scott. So I missed a smart. I feel like Jaquiski Tart is the slightly week. more acceptable one. I will be back next week with some – with probably about four new players. I'll try to make it a little bit harder. We'll, we'll go deep into the depths of NFL rosters. And All right. And, and with Michael dropping it, we'll pick up now our gambling pick em segment for uh, the pile on. We'll start with – the cover. Uh, so basically just a quick explanation of the cover. We found the three biggest spreads this week. They happen to be the chiefs, the Vikings and the dolphins. I will ask, we'll go around in a circle. I will ask each one of you, will they cover? So you take the chiefs to cover, you take the chiefs not to cover at the end of the week. We'll tally up the points for the cover. It'll be separate than the pick them. Those points will be separate. So first I wanted to start with the chiefs, the chiefs play the Broncos. Currently, that line is, let me get it live for you, is still 13 and a half. All right. So you guys will go around real quick. Tell me, will they cover or will they not cover? I was going to say, is, is at least one of Denver's actual QBs going to play in this game? Or is <laughs> one of the quarterbacks will play? We okay. don't know which one it will be, but one of them will play. Just making sure that I, I'll take them to cover. I mean, listen, the Chiefs got out to a 27 10 lead against Tampa Bay, and they just looked like world beaters last week against, against the Bucs. I, Denver, whether they're Drew Locke is playing or not, I really don't think it, it makes that big of a difference. I think uh, to me, I, I feel like that's almost a lock. Like I, I feel like two touchdowns, I feel pretty safe. I would feel pretty safe with that. Yeah, I'm going to take the ch- – mm. I mean, it's tough because like 14 and a half is a big number. And they're, that's like they're daring you to jump on the Broncos. But They're giving, I, you, they're giving you that two touchdown cushion. So I know, and it's it's hard because it's like you got to – they have to do more than two touchdowns. And, I, I mean, the Broncos are actually going to have a real quarterback playing back there. Um, but I just – yeah, I agree. The, the Chiefs are too much. Um, so I will take the Chiefs with the 14 and a half. That shouldn't be the Sunday night game, by the way. It should be Browns-Titans, and I'm still upset about that. But um, I, I think the Chiefs will win that game handily. I am not going to be controversial at all. I am also going to take the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. We can't have any debate. We can't have any hot takes. But, yeah, I'm just going to throw out that, like, even with Drew Locke playing 
earlier in the year when these two teams met, the Chiefs won by 27, which I believe was also at the Broncos Stadium. Ask. Who knows? Oh, well, well, who knows? But, like, you know, the Broncos are going to be starting a quarterback who could be a little rusty after they had literally all of their quarterbacks out last week. Had to start wide receiver Kendall Hinton at quarterback. I am absolutely smashing the Chiefs cover. Well, I'll be a little controversial here, and I'm going to take the Broncos to actually – the Broncos are going to cover that. They're going to cover, okay? The Broncos, they get the 14 – they have basically 14, so they got to stay competitive. They have – if they have lockout there, then I feel pretty good about the 14, hopefully. Um, The only reason I'm saying this is I let my girlfriend make my picks every single week for my Pick'em League, and she decided to take the Broncos, knows nothing about it at all. So I'm going to stick with the Broncos. So, yeah. All right, moving on to the Vikings. They play the Jaguars at home. The Vikings just came off a upset, not an upset, a come-from-behind win against the Panthers. So they're coming into this. They're looking to try to get into the seventh spot for the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, The Vikings are currently live. Let me look at it. The Vikings are 10.5 now, not 11.5. So you get an extra point there. All right, let's start with Ian this time. Ian? You're muted, Ian. Ian, you're still muted. Whoops. You're good. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be spicy and controversial. I'm gonna say the Jags cover that. All right, Michael. I actually agree. I like the Jaguars to cover that. And it's it's strange because like the theory always goes good teams win, but great teams cover. The Vikings aren't a great team. I saw Jacksonville play last week. Their offense is actually not terrible. They're going to put up some points. I actually like the Jags to cover. Darren, first one to take the Vikings? No, I will not. I'll take that three for three. I mean, if you look, other than Pittsburgh, the Jaguars, I mean, Michael, you know this, they lost by two against Cleveland. Then they lose by four against Green Bay. They lose by they lose by two against Houston. So that's three out of their last four games. So, I mean, they're, they've, they've, got, they've been close in a number of games recently and Minnesota is, you know, I, I don't trust Minnesota to all of a sudden look like, you know, like Mike said, like a great team. I mean, Dallin cook, you know, he got hurt a little bit last week. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, he's still projected to play, which, you know, he's on my fantasy team, which I wanted to play obviously, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, they, you know, they're coming in a little bit banged up. So, and I think Jacksonville, again, they've been, they're one and they are one in 10, but they came within, I think what a combined almost eight points of winning three of their last four games. So I'll, I think I'll take, I think this is, this is actually just like I thought the chiefs were an easy, were an easy, to, were easy cover to take. I'll take, I'll, I think this is easy for me to take the Jags for them to cover this. Well, this is going to be unanimous because I'm also going to take the Jaguars. I don't know what it is about the Jaguars, but they, they seem to cover every single time. They're, a, they're like how the dolphins were last year. They're a competitive one in 11 team. They stick around. Their offense is pretty dynamic they have a lot of pieces and they're actually pretty decent on offense so i'm going to take the jags to cover as well uh now we move on to the dolphins the dolphins are playing the jets ryan fitzpatrick will be the starting quarterback they're looking to close in on the bills for first place they can't afford to lose any games it is currently 11 and a half they're minus 11 and a half we will go to michael first michael what do you think of the dolphins and the Bengals? Man, 11 and a half is another big number. Um, but you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the Dolphins with the points. And it has really nothing to do with the Dolphins at all. I just – I the Bengals are just – I mean, they're, I, mean I, I almost feel bad for the Bengals. I mean, I don't because they're a rival of my team. But, you know, losing Burrow like that, it just took the entire wind out of the team. Um, the Dolphins are still playing for something. They're, they're fighting for their playoff lives right now. So I like the Dolphins in this game to cover the 11 and a half, but not because they're not because they're a great team because great teams cover, but because the Bengals are just that bad. And that's what I have to go with. Ian? You know, we had some dispute about this before we started recording, but I think that the rest of you have convinced me to take the Dolphins simply because of the fact that the Bengals don't have Joe Burrow. I think that if they did, probably they would be able to cover this. They had some 
They had some close games, even some high scores. They had some kind of wonky results when he was there, but with no offensive line really, and with a backup quarterback in, I can't see them doing very much, even if Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins don't put up a lot. Like I could see them easily getting under a touchdown in this game. And because of that, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Darren? I, you know, for a second, I, I was wondering if I, I think Miami's going to win this game comfortably, although I was wondering if maybe, maybe it'll be by like just under that, like a 10 or something. But you know what? I think I'm going to go with Miami to cover two. And I think that this is a game where even if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't look great, this is a game where I think the Dolphins defense and their special teams is going to get back to maybe having a score or two in this game. Cause the, the Dolphins, they still have in turn, they still have the second best defense in the league in terms of points allowed. They have a lot of good, they have a lot, they have a really good secondary and, you know, Brandon Allen had in his one start last week, what was the number he had? 136 yards, one touchdown at 4.7 yards per attempt. That's, that's just awful. That is just awful in every sense of the word. And if they, even if they, even if they play like that again, like the Dolphins have a good enough defense where I think they could get a, a, maybe a defensive touchdown or two. And I, yeah, I, I think they could win this by a couple scores potentially. I agree. I think the Dolphins, this is a get right game for their defense who has been struggling the last couple of weeks. They do need to score against a Bengals team who doesn't have their starting quarterback. Their offensive line is poor. And I don't think Joe Mixon is playing either. Uh, with that being said, that is our first time for the cover. We will see how that works out and we will update the standings throughout the year. Now we're going to swiftly move into the pick them. We will not be doing it against the spread. This is straight up winners. You take the team that you think is going to win. We are going to start with Lions and Bears. Darren, you want to start us off with Lions and Bears, two terrible teams in the NFC North? Terrible indeed. Uh, wow. Um, I am very – I don't want – like, I, I never want to pick the Lions just because somehow they're going to just screw – they're going to screw you over in some way. But the Bears just looked so awful last week against the Packers and – but then again, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to pick Chicago because there's only one team that Mitchell Trubisky ever plays well against. One team. And it's the Lions. So, you know, could I see this being – I won't be shocked if they win and Daryl Bevel, you know, he tries to get a fun train rolling or something like that. But I'll take Chicago because at the very least, I know they got a defense that has guys that can stop you. Um, and, hey, if you know, again, the one team that Mitchell Trubisky always plays well against is the Lions. So – I'll, I'll take Chicago in this game. Ian, another Lions fan, what's your pick for this game? You know, I was really agonizing over it this morning for the same reason why Darren's picking the Bears. Because when does Mitch Trubisky play like the number two pick when he's playing the Lions? You know, it, it looks like he's suddenly being controlled by like a skilled Madden player against a rookie defense. And so the question is, is that just a Patricia thing or is that like some kind of magical voodoo thing with like the Bears and the Lions while Trubisky's the quarterback? And I think that as long as Corey Undlin now free from having to deal with Patricia calling all the defensive plays, if he bothers to get any sort of pressure on Trubisky, if he actually decides to blitz more than I think they're blitzing him like 10% of the time under Patricia, if they bother to do that. And if this team has the usual, you know, interim coach kind of energy bounce, I get some of their swagger back. I think they will beat the bears because the bears just look like they're a couple weeks behind the lions in terms of where their franchise is going from here. So Ian with the Lions, uh, Michael. Uh, I'm actually, man. You know, I I've been back and forth on this game all week because it's like you know I do I do a bunch of different pickems. So it's just I've been thinking and it's like you know, but I like I like the Lions in this game and I like it I like them for you know just a multitude of reasons. But my main reasons are I mean number one I think as Ian touched on I think they're gonna have that little interim coach energy. 
I think they're going to come out and basically off a of bye week, and they're going to they're going to come out with their hair on fire, and I think they're going to play a little bit. And number two is, I mean, the Bears are just they're bad, and I don't think I think they've given up on their coach. The, Matt Nagy's comments after the Packers game were not something that any coach should be saying about their players ever. And he said it in front of the media, in front of, you know, on national television. And I just don't know if the players really believe in him anymore. Um, The offense is just stagnant. The defense is on the field far too long. And while I do respect their defense, I think their defense is arguably a top five defense in the league. I just, you know, Matt Stafford rises to the occasions at weird times and the Lions have found ways to beat the bad teams this year. And the Bears are a bad team. So I'm going to take the Lions on the road. But I don't feel good about it. I also don't feel good about it. I'll be taking the Lions. I'm switching back and forth in my brain. I'm going to take the Bears. They're going to fight for one more week. And let's see what Nagy can do. Mitch did actually not look that bad throwing the ball last week. He did have a lot of turnovers. But he did look pretty decent. At least he can stretch the field and run a little bit, which offers you more than Foles can do. All right, moving forward, the Browns and the Titans, possibly the best game of the week. Uh, Definitely the favorite for Michael. Will the Browns finally, for the first time in the sense, I think, what, 2005, they will have a winning record or 2007? Seven. Yeah, all the season of dreams in Cleveland. We were, they were 10 and six and missed the playoffs. Um, You can start with this one. I will. I'll start. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll say this. Derrick Henry absolutely terrifies me. He is a scary human being. Um, it, it's. I mean, this game's going to be all about the running game. We already know that. The top two backs in the league um, over the last couple of years in terms of yardage and yards after contact and stuff like that, and Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, adding Kareem Hunt on the Cleveland side. This game's going to come down to which quarterback can make better plays with their arms. And I like I think that both offenses run a similar system with like the play action style of rolling the quarterbacks out of the pocket and um, and finding the open man. I like, and then the defensive side of the ball, the Browns are still missing Denzel Ward this week. They're also missing their starting strong safety, Ronnie Harrison. He's going to be out four to six weeks, but Miles Garrett is back. And that means good things for the Browns. He'll probably pick up a sack or two, maybe force a turnover, but even though, you know, I do consider myself a Browns fan, I'm actually going to take the Titans in this one. I think Derrick Henry's going to be too much. I like Ryan Tannehill to make some plays downfield on a banged-up round secondary, and I think the Titans are going to win this one. Ian? I got to agree with Michael here. You know, even though this game does feature the two top running backs by yards per game in the league in Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, it's kind of foolish to me to bring the game down to that because it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, they're going to rack up the yards. I don't think that either of these defenses is going to be able to make any kind of meaningful dent in their contributions or in the case of the Titans against Kareem Hunt either. But I do like, I like Tannehill as the slightly better quarterback right now in this matchup you know I don't want that to seem like it's some kind of huge diss on Baker Mayfield because he has been much better this year than he was last year and they do run a very nice play action game but I think that the Titans the way they've set that up I think it's even better and as Michael alluded to with a banged up Brown secondary no Denzel Ward I think I trust Tannehill to get things done in the passing game. Just a little more of this game. I think it'll be close, but give me the Titans. Darren? Yeah, I'll make that three for three. I think Tennessee, I mean, if you look at Cleveland this year, there ain't three, but all of their wins other than one, which was against Indianapolis, have come against currently losing teams. They got pasted, to be I mean, to be quite honest, against both Pittsburgh and Baltimore when they first faced them, and then they lost a, a bad weather game to the Raiders at home. So – you know, they have to prove, I mean, and they did listen, the win, in, the win in Indianapolis has certainly aged well, but you know, they have to prove if they can step up against good competition. Tennessee's a team that after beating Indy last week, it might just be, might be hitting their stride right now. And I think, you know, Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, they'll probably do enough to cancel it to, uh, well, maybe not completely cancel each other out, but they'll, they'll, they'll push, put up similar numbers in this game probably, but no, like 
like Ian said, I think Ryan Tannehill right now, I would trust him more than Baker Mayfield. And with, with the injuries that, like Michael said, that the Browns have in their secondary, especially with Denzel Ward being out, I look for this to be a big – for this to be the A.J. Brown game. I think it – because A.J. Brown, ever since he came back from injury, has been a – he's put up great numbers. I mean, he's been a man at receiver for the Titans. I mean, he's, he's you know, in terms of the passing game and being a great tar- ta- target for Tannehill, I mean, you could argue he's – you know, just, you know, just right under Derrick Henry as being the most important player on the, on Tennessee's offense. So I think it's a big game for him. Not to say that Derrick Henry won't have a big game, but I feel like with those injuries, I, I, you know, the play action game can be, uh, could definitely be very much in play, you know, in play to, so to speak for, uh, for Tennessee, this for Tennessee. And so, yeah, I'll take them as well. Yeah. The only thing the Browns really have going for them on their defensive side of the ball is Miles Garrett. If he can be uh, a force in the backfield, then possibly they can do it. But as the Titans get later in the season, like they usually do, they start to feed the ball more to Derrick Henry. And I think he might be the best back in the NFL right now, just a pure runner. And I just trust Tannehill more than I trust Baker Mayfield right now. So I'm also going with the Titans. That is a clean sweep for the Titans, a consensus pick. We will move to the Rams and Cardinals. We're not doing the Sunday night game for pick because it is the Chiefs and Broncos. And all of us, I think, decided to take, except for me, decided to take um, – that's not a great pick game because I do not think the Broncos are going to win, but they can keep it close. So we're going to go with the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, Darren, start us off with Rams-Cardinals to try to – this is for the five, probably one of the wild card spots. This is tough because, I mean, the Rams were looking like they were just about to hit their stride with back-to-back wins over uh, the Seahawks and Tampa, but then they came out and especially with the way Jared Goff played, just played terrible last week against San Francisco. I mean, it was only a three, it was only a three point loss. So it wasn't like they got blown out, but you know, that, that kind of takes a, it feels like that took a lot of their, a lot of wind out of their sails. Um, I'm going to, you know what? I think, I think I'm going to take Arizona. I do. I Cause if I'm just LA in terms of the guys they have on offense, in terms of their defense, you could argue they have the most complete team, the most complete roster of any team in the NFC West. But it's been proven more often than not that when you have the better man at quarterback who can make plays that the other guy can't, sometimes sometimes even if you have a better overall team, that may not matter. And I believe in wholeheartedly that Kyler Murray is better than Jared Goff to me. So, you know, the Cardinals, you know, they, they, you know, they kind of, you know, they haven't been great recently. They had, you know, they had that three-point loss to the Patriots last week. And then Murray, you know, he's been dealing with that that shoulder issue that affected them again against the Seahawks when they lost what I think it was two weeks ago on Thursday night. So it's, I, I could see that I, I could see this going anyway, but if I have to put trust in one team, I'm going to take the trust with what, who I view as be is the better guy at quarterback. I'm going to take Arizona. Um, I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm going to go the Rams because of their defense. They have a lot of playmakers on defense. So I'm going to go with the Rams and then I'll send it over to Michael. Yeah, I'm lockstep with Jacob there. I'm going to take the Rams because of their defense. You know, when, when it comes to teams like this that seem evenly, I'm, I'm going to go with the better defense every time. Uh, I think Aaron Donald's going to absolutely wreak havoc in the backfield. And, you know, Kyler Murray has shown this year he can make some plays when he's scrambling, but when he's actually running for his life, he can't make many plays. And I don't like their O-line against Aaron Donald. It's not a good matchup. Plus, I think Jalen Ramsey's size is a perfect fit against DeAndre Hopkins. I think Jalen Ramsey will mostly neutralize Hopkins all game. Um, so defensively, yes, I mean, yes, Jared Goff has struggled. The Rams have struggled on the offensive side of the ball recently. But you know what? Sean McVay is one of the best per, one of the best coaches in the league at scheming offense and making things work for his quarterback and putting him in good positions. And I think, I think against an Arizona defense that's not very good, I like the Rams in this game. I am actually going to go take the Cardinals just you know I got kind of a gut feeling about this one because Jared Goff he has been looking rough the last few weeks I think it's in the last four weeks he's turned it over what 10 times it's some some unbelievable number like that and Although I do think that the Rams defense will be quite disruptive. I think that this could be a lot, you know, lower scoring than 
people might think based off of how these offenses have performed against some good competition this season that I think that, you know, as long as the Cardinals are actually able to really activate Kyler Murray in the run game, if they can, if they cannot get him to simply try to make insane passing plays running for his life, but make running plays running for his life, I think it could be a long day for the Rams defense. Uh, well, moving on to our first actual, not our actual Monday night game, but the one that got flexed because they couldn't play the Steelers on Sunday. Uh, the five o'clock Washington football team versus the Steelers. I don't think there's going to be much discussion about this pick uh, across the board. Can we just call this a consensus Steelers because they're a better football team? Would everyone agree with that? If anybody wants to throw in any comments, we're all going to take the Steelers. I, I think it's going to be closer than people think. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I would have picked it as my upset if it wasn't in the pick I was going to take Washington to cover, but yeah, I mean, I could see this definitely being a competitive game. I think, I think it could probably be that, you know, it's competitive for like mo- a, a lot of the first half and then, you know, the Steelers, you know, they just, they pull away late and, you know, they end up winning maybe by like, I don't know, a touchdown or 10 points or something like that. But no, I, th- I mean, I think Washington, I think Washington, you know, they, again, Rama Bear is a great coach and they compete hard and they have a good defense. I mean, they, I mean, their defense is seventh in the league in points against. So, you know, it's not like they can't play on the defensive side of the ball with guys like Chase Young and, you know, guys like that. So I think, it, you know, it could be a competitive, I think it'll be competitive for a good amount, but uh, the Steelers, yeah, they'll, they'll end up probably pulling away toward the end of the game. Yeah. I really like Washington's defense against the Steelers offense, actually think that their strongest traits are happen to be against what the Steelers are strong. And I think it's a real strength versus strength there, but I do not trust Washington's offense at all like to move against the Steelers defense. You know, it's going to be, you know, I think Alex Smith, he's just going to be checking it down a lot and that's not a great way to try and win a game. If you're just checking it down every down because they're not getting stuff down the field, even with no Bud Dupree. If you got to give a lot of resources to TJ Watt, maybe you can free up the Steelers tackles to make some plays inside. They don't have, they have like an average run game, not amazing, not terrible with Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. So I would predict like a defensive slog for this one. But I think that based on especially how effective the Steelers have been in getting turnovers, giving themselves short fields, make it easier on their offense, they're going to come away with the victory. Okay, we will move to the actual Monday night game for this week. It is the Bills and 49ers. I do not believe it is actually being played in Santa Clara because I don't think you're allowed to have any sporting events there. I'm not 100% sure where the game is actually supposed to be. Be Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The Bills they they came out with that, that San Francisco's for the rest of the season, they'll be playing their home games in Arizona. Arizona is where they'll be playing the rest of the year. So it is the Bills technically at the 49ers, but it is in Arizona. It's a weird time with COVID, but let's get to the picks. Ian, who do you like between the Bills and the 49ers? <clears throat> between the Bills and the 49ers, I'm going to say, you know, I'm Give me the Bills, actually. Give me the Bills. Think that they've they've unlocked some real creativity in the offense this week. I think the 49ers defense has not been amazing against quarterbacks who have some mobility. And Josh Allen is not the fastest guy, but he's willing to scramble when he needs to. And he's good enough to run through some guys, pick up some tough first downs when he needs it. And I think I, you know, I don't really trust. Nick Mullins all that much even if the Bills defense has kind of regressed from where it was the last couple of years you know when, when you got a starting quarterback going against a backup I gotta take the starter unless it's a real bad one and Josh Allen is not a bad starter this year I agree with you there I will also be picking the Bills Josh Allen is my fantasy quarterback do I really have much of an option there I need to make the playoffs this week so I'm talking myself into Josh Allen having a big game Uh, Michael who do you like in this game 
I like Buffalo as well. I think their offense is going to be too much, but I do I do think it's going to be a closer game. Uh, the San Francisco defense is playing their heart out. They're actually starting to get a little bit healthier, and they're still in the playoff hunt. So, they, you know, there's still a chance there for San Francisco, but Buffalo's going to be too much slinging around the yard with Mr. Josh Allen. Darren? Yeah, I'll make that a consensus. I mean, listen, the, the Bills are one mir- miraculous Hail Mary play away from being winners of five straight. So, you know, I think, you know, they're a good team. Their defense is not is it as good as it was last season, no. But listen, their offense has made up for that. I mean, Stephon Diggs is having a career year. Josh Allen is looking, you know, Josh Allen is cashing in on, you know, on the potential that so many people thought he had coming out of Wyoming. So I think that they'll take this game against San Francisco. I could see it, like Michael said, I could see it being close. Um, you know, they are getting, you know, their defense for, you know, the 49ers defense is getting healthier. They got Richard Sherman back last week, you know, along with a couple other guys. So, you know, it could, I definitely expect to be a competitive game, but I feel like Buffalo is, you know, they're, they, they're at, they're at the point where I feel like they're, they're a good team. And I feel like this is a game where, you know, against just a still slightly lesser team in San Fran, I think they should be able to pull that out. Just to recap, we all picked the Titans, we all picked the Steelers, we all picked the Bills, and then we split on the Lions and the Bears and the Rams and the Cardinals. All right, so this is the upset pick. You have to pick a team here that is not favored. So how this will work is I'll kind of give a quick example with what I want my pick to be this week. I am actually going to take the Falcons plus two and a half against the Saints. That means if the Falcons end up covering that two and a half, I will get one point for it. If somehow the Falcons win, that means I will get three points for the week and I'll put mine down as the Falcons. And then I will go over to Ian. Um, Getting the odds from FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook? Sportsbook. All right. Let me take. All right. I will, let me take a real quick look over there. All right. Let me, I'll go to, I have a game in mind, but I don't have the same odds for it that you might. All right. Then let's go to Darren first. I was going to say, I mean, their favorite, the, the sign look at their favorite right now. And since I picked them, I might as well, I'll take the Cardinals. I'll take Cardinals over the Rams. Cause I'm looking at Yahoo right now. They have the Rams as a two and a half point favorite. So, you know, I picked them in, you know, I picked them uh in you know in our previous picks so i feel like that's you know that's pretty easy for me to stick with that and to have them be my upset pick for this week michael all right call me crazy but i'm not crazy i'm taking the jets uh jets are eight and a half point dogs josh jacobs out this weekend for the raiders as well as jonathan abram the safety eight and a half that's given the jets a touchdown jets have been keeping it close throughout the last couple weeks especially in some of the games. Um, and it's really hard to go 0-16 in this league. So call me crazy. I'm not – I don't think they will win the game. I don't. But without Josh Jacobs, I think they can cover. I was going to say, Michael, I was going to put in that. I, I think they are – I think they would cover this week too because the Raiders, I mean, they got plastered last week by the Falcons. It's strictly it's, – I saw on Twitter, I, like Adam Schefter just reported that Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram, their star safety, are out this week. So I think – I don't think they will win, but I think they will cover right now. I'll, I'll support that. I would take that too. All right, Ian, let's hear that game that you had in mind. All right. So you're looking at a, you're looking at giants plus 11 against the Seahawks, right? Uh, yes. I am looking at giants plus 11. With I am Colt taking McCoy. the giants. It's Colt McCoy with their quarterback, Colt McCoy. I'm still taking the giants to be honest. Cause this just purely because the Seahawks have not won a game. And they've played some bad offenses, some bad teams. They haven't won a game by that much since week one, it looks like. And, you know, Carson Wentz is looking terrible. He's not even finding, like, open receivers, having some truly awful decision-making. And even with all of that, the Seahawks won that game by six points. They have... Their secondary is very bad. And even with Colt McCoy, who, you know, hasn't played an NFL game in however long, God, how long has it been for Colt McCoy? I'm still going to take the, I'm still going to take the Giants just because I think the Seahawks defense is that bad. All right. Just to explain a little bit here, there is extra points if you take a team that has a higher 
um, underdog. So the Giants are at plus 11. If somehow they win, Ian would earn three. Michael is in that mid-tier range. So if the Jets ended up winning, he'd earn himself two. But we, Darren and I would only earn ourselves one extra point because it is only two and a half from the Falcons and the Cardinals. That wraps up our pick'em session for the week. And then we will go to Ian for the close of the show. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Guess all I want to say is thank you, everyone. It's been fantastic talking with all of you on this debut episode of the pylon. And let's hope for an even better next week. Yep. It was a pleasure. Uh, go subscribe, go listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I'm excited. This is the first one that we've done as a group that's end up going to get put out there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everything. So it's awesome. Uh, looking forward to hearing from people. Obviously, you can uh, find us on our social media. Uh, Impact will tweet all that stuff out. You can tell us how bad we are at our picks because based on how this NFL year has gone for my picks, I haven't been great. So I'm looking to turn it around now that people are actually hearing who I pick. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and then this will be put up on Twitter and all the other social media. Let us know, you know, what do you want to hear for next week, week 14? You know, if you guys want to hear something in the storylines, please let us know and we'll make sure that we cover it. Yeah. And Hey, if if anyone has any suggestions, Hey, any new segments, any new suggestions for stuff that we could look at by all means, we're open to anything. So, you know, send us that. And then obviously, you know, listen, wherever you listen to podcasts and, you know, like Ian said, I'm just, you know, it's stacked that we can finally get this off the ground, that we can get this going and, you know, now get into the, you know, home stretch going to the playoffs. So, yep, I'm just, I'm super. We're, we're going to do some fun things in the playoffs. We're going to, we're going to make some things work. So this will be a fun, this will be a fun, even though we picked up late, we're going to make it worth your guys as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You know, we're going to keep growing. We're going to have some new segments and I'm sure, you know, chemistry, gelling, it's going to improve. It's going to keep going all the way to the draft because as a Lions fan, that's the real main event for me every year. The Super Bowl every year. Yep. <laughs> Undefeated in Super Bowls. Undefeated. See, that, used to, that used to be me, but now, like, the Browns are in contention, so now it's like, okay, like, all right, week by week, boys, week by week. But, yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with week 14 news, predictions, segments, and action. Until next time. See ya. See ya. See ya, guys.